Welcome to another episode here at the Midnight Founders Podcast. We're so excited to be with you today. This is AJ Rounds from Rev Road and Jake McCarg from CB Vault. Here at the Midnight Founders Podcast, we focus on telling behind the scenes stories for what makes a successful entrepreneur. We're excited for another week. Here we go. Today here, we're sitting with entrepreneur Logan Nicholson from Localize. And uh, I love the fact that I can call him friend and we work in the same office because he's one of the portfolio companies at Rev Road, and they're doing some cool things and getting some great traction. And we're gonna dive into his story today at the Midnight Founders podcast. So, Logan, welcome. Thank you. I'm stoked. I actually so, AJ and I do share an office space. So I probably more frequently than I should. I like sit down. I roll my chair up to AJ's desk, and we just like chat about <laughs> stuff all the time. Oh, you know. You're taking full advantage of AJ. It's especially <laughs> yes. it was especially happening in those moments when uh, Logan got married just uh, not long ago, and there was a lot of things going on in his mind. Like with, you're during that campaigning time, right? to make sure I shaved my mustache <laughs> yeah. before my wedding. That I did, by the way. I have a mustache right now. Actually, I shaved a couple days ago. Brought back my mustache. And my wife walked in the door and said, oh, you look so cute with your mustache. And I wrote that down as a win, <laughs> put that in the win column. I actually brought something uh, for for Jake. AJ, you already have I one. I already have one. Oh, Thanks. heck so, yeah. Here's a localized hat. I'll, yes. put my localized, I'll put my localized hat on for the episode. You gave me a central bank hat, so. <laughs> so great. So now we're even. Returning the favor. Logan, it's good to have you here. What um, what we like to start out with on the podcast is give us your 30-second elevator pitch on what Localize is and what you're doing for the uh, the customers. Okay. So Localize is a unique company. Um, what we found out over the course of the last two years or so is that uh, local restaurants and attractions, will um, they will do just about anything for tourist exposure. So we kind of matched up hospitality with um, small businesses, uh, restaurants, attractions, all kinds of things that uh, would like to get in front of that audience. Initially, we started doing it with signage in hotels and Airbnbs. Now we do it with an AI-driven SMS tool for hotels. And we do the signage as well, but the AI tool has become really popular with our customers. So basically, a hotel can leverage this AI communication tool that will text their guests all the information about their stay, everything they need to know, um, and it's responsive. So if, AJ, you are staying at one of our properties, you could say, like, where's the best local Mexican food? And we will match you up with a Mexican restaurant or multiple Mexican restaurants in your area um, that are our paying advertisers. And that comes right to your phone via text. Yes. Yep. So SMS. Cool. SMS is the king of communication. So our platform is uh, done on SMS, um, WhatsApp, and Facebook Messenger. So everyone wants to email each other because everyone's like, oh, let's, you know, let's run email campaigns and things like that, which can be successful if you're like a genius, if you're a marketing genius. Um, but texting is, it's better. People, I want, actually, I have a stat for you. Okay. How many emails do you have on your phone right now that are unopened? <laughs> what do you think? I try to clean my inboxes oh. and it takes time. People hire, AJ, you have a virtual assistant, right? For like checking your email, um, I wish one day. No, I do not. <laughs> I want. I, I not. want. I one. need one. I would love one. I want yes. one. I don't have one, but seriously, just to. I mean, just to do a like my spam filter doesn't do enough for me. So <laughs> I'm sitting around fifty always, yeah. like emails, but I don't have fifty unread text messages. So I think you've nailed it. No, and people open text messages. Eighty-five uh, percent of people open text messages within five minutes of receiving them. 
So that's cool. Emails. That's a great stat. No, not a, not a chance. Email. Also, the open rate for text messages is like five times higher, at least in hospitality. I don't like overall. I'm not sure, but in hospitality, the open rate for emails is like twenty percent, and for uh, text messages, it's ninety-eight percent. Wow. So, and the response rate for texts is like twice as it's like two times higher than the open rate for emails. So you're twice as likely to get a reply from someone over text as you are for them to even open your email. That's amazing. Mm. Well, and I would think too that your consumers, I mean, your audience, they're on vacation anyway, so they're not going to have their laptops to check their email. Who looks at their emails on their phone, right? So that makes more sense anyway, because they're just enjoying having a good time. I check my email on vacation, but that's because I... Well, you're an entrepreneur. You have to. <laughs> I, you have to I, check I, I'm always on the clock. Yeah. I'm always on the clock. 24-7. That's I, yeah, that's what I was trying to articulate. I'm always on the clock. Um, but anyways, that was a long-winded elevator that's cool. pitch. But yeah, that's what that's what we do. Um, like we started a couple years ago um, doing, you know, the signage that we offered for um, hospitality to kind of act as a concierge mm-hmm. for them. It was free. But the whole idea was creating an advertisement uh, platform mm-hmm. f- for the small businesses. And now it's a two-sided marketplace. So we monetize both sides. The AI texting service is like such a hot topic in hospitality. And so many people want it that it's like clearly monetizable. But then, you know, we were like, you know what? We're not going to tell our like little mon pa like restaurants that want exposure that we're going to stop doing that for them. Because <laughs> cool. that would be unwise and bad (laughs) where where did the inspiration for localize come from logan how why is this a passion play for you well i i will tell you this i um i've always been a person that like brainstorms about stuff and random ideas so i have like probably a hundred to two hundred bad business ideas written in the notes app on my phone. Cause like every time I think of something, I just like write it down. Like, Oh, that could be a business idea. And then I read the list back and I'm like, Oh, that's horrendous. That's <laughs> terrible. Uh, but some of them are maybe good. Um, this was one that I actually took out of the notes app stage and like went and drove up to uh, Heber city, um, right by park city. If you're uh, familiar with that, I know you guys are, but, mm-hmm. um, I drove up there and, talked to a bunch of, you know, small business owners and a bunch of Airbnb hosts and uh, just friends and family and all kinds of people to ask them, like, you know, obviously the business owners, I was like, hey, if if I had a bunch of Airbnbs and hotels lined up to um, display some signage that would ultimately lead to information about your restaurant, is that something you'd want to pay for? I had a bunch of people say yes, and I had a bunch of people say no, and... um, I had some people say like, uh, go out and do it and then tell me about it and we'll see. And, um, anyways, I just decided go for it. You felt like you had enough market validation that you're like, this is something I want to build. I probably didn't, but I was foolish. And so I went for it anyways, which ended up being the right decision. But like I did have enough to lead me into my leap. Um, but (laughs) if I knew now what I, if I, if I knew then what I know now about validation, I would have done a lot more. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs need the the first, like you cannot do your first venture right at every stage. So it's like, 
a little bit of luck and a lot of like adaptability and that's my opinion but grit maybe. yeah and i think yeah. a lot of people talk about this and and uh clearly you know you'd want to do more market validation but you could spend your entire life validating and never right? do yeah. anything and never yeah. get anything yeah. done yeah. so because you're always going to find people that are like that's a terrible idea right like my wife usually tells me my ideas are terrible. So my market validation <laughs> ends there on a lot of mine. Like it goes into the, the notes and then I usually yeah. tell my wife and I probably tell my wife too soon. Like it doesn't sit in the notes long enough. Especially if so. you're bootstrapping. Yeah. Like we're pretty much bootstrapped. We're not quite bootstrapped, but we're, we pretty much are. And if you're bootstrapping, like do it. <laughs> it doesn't, yeah. you know, unless yeah. it's like, all right, I need to pull 300 grand out of my own pocket to do something and I don't have enough validation for it. Then like maybe don't get in trouble with your family. You got to be smart about it, obviously. And market <laughs> yeah. validation is a huge thing that like we've had a lot of entrepreneurs talk about. Um, so you have to do it. But I also think that, that the advice of just jumping in, I mean, we hear that probably more than we hear like, I wish I had done more market validation. That's right. So, yeah. Okay. Here's a hot take of mine, opinion of mine, the way, and like, I could be wrong about this, but the way that I was taught market validation and the way that I think many people understand market validation is not very indicative of like what it really is. I think a lot of people think that market market validation is going and getting a bunch of surveys, which is it's not, but that's kind of how I, and it could have been that I just misunderstood how it was taught. That's likely the case. The person who taught me probably understood what it was, but in my head I was, I was like, Oh, you know what? Okay. I just got to talk to the people that um, are going to be our customers or that would be involved and see if they would want to do it. But what happens is like nine times out of 10, if you talk to someone about a theoretical concept and you have this like light in your eyes, like, Oh, I'm going to make this thing. Like, would you be a part of it? And they don't have to pull out their wallet to actually do that. Then they'll be like, Oh yeah, that'd be great. And then you get all this like survey data and you're like, oh man, you know, this is such a good opportunity. And then when kind people, of this false hope, if you will, yes. And then people are like, you, you say, okay, can I get your credit card number? <laughs> Once you get to that <laughs> point, and they're like, oh, I need to talk to so and so about it. That, and then the objections come out because like you don't get objections right. when you do surveys. You just get like people, you know, like pick your multiple choice answer, but you don't really get objections and like sales. So that's why putting together a minimum viable product and then taking it to market is like the best validation. Not every business can operate that way because some things it's like you need to put a bunch of money into engineering or something to get a minimum viable product. But especially with something that's like consumer facing or something that is not that expensive to uh, create, just m like make it and sell it. So it's... Uh back way back in the vault of like probably our fifth or sixth episode with Baywatch. You remember? Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> they, they sold it to their first customer yeah. and they were like, uh, now let's go build it. We have to go build it now. <laughs> but they got, they got that's, what we, that's what we did with Marie. <laughs> they got payment and everything. Yeah, we good. literally just did that. That's so quarter. awesome. Like we sold, we got a contract signed before our product was developed. <laughs> um, that's so great. I love that. And if my, if that customer is listening to this podcast, we love you. <laughs> and we are glad that you gave us your your vote of confidence. And but, they're happy with Marie. Oh yeah, they are. Yeah, oh, and like when they tell us stuff that they want for it, we listen to them. We're developing a dashboard. 
that is kind of was like designed with their feedback in mind. So cool. it, that's the advantage of like you're the first person on board. Yeah. A, they have the best price that anyone's ever going to get for it. Um, and B, they have they have so much influence right now in like helping us know the direction of it. But um, that's great. Yeah, we we, we like signed had the contract signed. And I'll then help I was you build like, your product. Yeah. Then I was like Tanner, who Tanner's my co-founder. I was like. Okay, Tanner. So we got a contract signed now. Can we figure out our budget for product development right now? Because <laughs> that is the budget. Now let's build it. Yes. Right. Oh, that's yeah. funny. Logan, where in the country are you guys seeing the most traction right now? Um, Florida um, is probably where we're seeing the most traction. Um, honestly, we haven't. Um, we. Okay, so like, if our sales channels were a punching bag, we've like warmed up on it pretty much but we haven't really punched it like very hard and that's what we're doing right now mm. so we're like we're hiring sales development people and we're our trade show schedule is pretty beefy this year so that's why i'm very like very excited about this year um that's why we're raising too is to to do that to kind of bulk up our sales channels but um yeah florida here's the thing in hospitality um, Florida is like heaven. Florida, Florida's the, the destination. Disney World and Orlando yeah, Studios and, and, and like everything, right? you could eliminate Orlando off of the face of Florida, and Florida would still be probably like the king of tourism because you have mm-hmm. Fort Lauderdale and Miami and Sarasota and Tampa and Daytona, like Jacksonville. Bit. Yeah, there's like everything is in Florida and people are, um, actually this is something that one of our advisors, um, taught me. She, um, she's, she does some hotel marketing and she said that the number one image, the top performing image in hospitality marketing, take a guess at what that image could be. This is like images people use in all kinds of marketing materials, emails and uh, social media. I would think something to do with a palm tree and a beach and water and something you're like that. You're pretty, yeah, that right? you're just about there. It's a body of water with a POV picture of a drink in their hand. Huh. That's the number, like... Good to know. And I think the reason is because it's a, it's a point of view thing. Like, this could be you sitting on the beach with a drink in your hand, like relaxing. And... um Florida's really good at that because they have a lot of beaches and they have a lot of drinks. <laughs> um, but also it's like a, such, a, such a sunshiny place um, that Florida, despite being a swamp um, by nature, has become like the destination because, yeah, I mean, people were smart there. Um, well, I think we're what, like 42 days straight of snow. So a sunshine, sunshiny beach sounds, <laughs> sounds really good to good me. Right well, now. It does sound pretty <laughs> good. Let's go. Does sound pretty good. Okay, Logan. So, uh, so obviously you're doing localized right now, but take us back in time. Uh, did you always know you were going to be an entrepreneur? Um, or was this kind of like something you landed on? I love, so or was it because of your lucky sweater? So, wait, yeah, my well. sweater. We were going to talk about my sweater. Yeah. My sweater. This is my lucky sweater. I actually had already started localized when I did this, but me and a buddy of mine started a dropship, like an e-commerce store and sold these sweaters. So that's, and it's got mountains on it. So this is Look like that. my Utah. This is my love for Utah sweater. <laughs> um, it also kind of matches my hat, there which you is go. nice. There you go. Uh, but 
so, okay, everyone and their dog is like, oh, I was in elementary school selling candy and like uh, selling trading cards to my friends and everything. Absolutely not the case. I like social introvert until I was probably 16 or 15. Interesting. I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah. Fascinating. I, well, I had a hard time uh, for a little while socially where I was like, I was not really socially awkward or anything, but I just wasn't a very confident kid for a while. Um, And I did not know all the way up until I graduated high school, I thought I was going to do dental school, which no disrespect to Dennis because I love Dennis and you guys make a lot of money and you work like seven or nine to four, like four days a week. So dentists are great, but I could, I shadowed at a dentistry and that would have been hard for me to do. Like it's just routine, you know? So certain people are built for that, but I'm not built for it. So anyways, I did not know I was going to be an entrepreneur and I don't come from an entrepreneurial family. Um, my, I learned some like really good principles from my family that have helped me in entrepreneurship, but I just don't come from a family of entrepreneurs. My dad's a company man, so he works. He's been with his company for like 20 or 30 years now. Wow. And he's a very good, like from what I understand, he's a very good employee and he's like very loyal and a hard worker. And like I've seen him, you know, work long nights and just be really stressed before with work. Um, being dedicated to someone else's company. And that's what I do for Localized. But there's almost an extra respect that I have for that because he's just doing it because it's his job. And I'm doing it because, like, I have every reason to stay up late and work when I need to. He just does it because he's a good, like, you know, he's a good employee. He's He wants to do his job well. So I didn't learn about entrepreneurship growing up, but I did learn a lot of things about, like, working hard and being uh, being reliable and dependent. And then I um, came to Utah and everyone in Utah loves entrepreneurship, it seems like. And I started to get like the, I started to get antsy for, to like get involved, you know. Um, Where did you grow up? I grew up in, in Washington State. Okay. Um, Vancouver, Washington. So it's like, it's right outside of Portland, Oregon. Um, right across the river. It's pretty much, it was a suburb of Portland. It's now grown and I think it's got like 300 or 400,000 residents. But I grew up there. I moved to Utah for school to go to BYU. And then I am not on a graduating <laughs> path anymore because I'm not in classes. Um, but I, I took a lot of credits at BYU and then started localized and it I wasn't able to juggle very well. So I decided to just Focus on what you're Focus doing. Focus on. We'll get back to it another day. Yes. I'll get back to it another day. Or if I don't get back to it, it would be because Localize was a tremendous success for me <laughs> and I didn't have to. But, yeah. What, uh, Logan, um, you've mentioned a couple of things, but, I, I mean, if you could sum up your journey thus far and you're still, you know, kind of newer to the ind- uh, to the entrepreneur scene, but what, what do you think has been your biggest takeaway or your biggest learning so far? I think the thing that I learned that was the most valuable is that a lot of people can achieve a lot of things if you're just willing to like totally put yourself under the pressure of doing it. And so like, I'll give you an example. 
a lot of people feel like imposter syndrome is kind of, I think that's a reason that a lot of people don't do certain things because they're like, I need to learn more about this before I feel comfortable in this space. Um, so throughout the time that I've had localize going, like I've been in so, just countless situations where I had like an, a crazy amount of imposter syndrome where I have no idea what's going on. And I'm like nodding my head and I'm like, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I will just go home and I've got homework. I'm like, okay, figure out what's going on, learn this stuff. Um, if we need, you know, if if we need to figure out um, our cash flow plan because things aren't working out the way that they're supposed to, then I need to become more financially literate and like learn those things. And I think a lot of people are just assume that there's this like level of expertise that you have to achieve before you do things. And um, my opinion, and this is probably biased because of just my background, but my opinion is that the best way to gain expertise in the things that you want to know and the things you want to do is to just force yourself to do it and like suck at it and learn, be in super uncomfortable situations. I just started playing volleyball with a group. I, I play volleyball, but I, I didn't play in high school. I started playing in college and I started playing with a group that like gets together um, uh, in the evenings and they're all really good, like way better than me. I, I'm maybe the worst person that goes and there's like 50 people that go. Um, but the point is like if I play down and go and play in places where I feel like the man, I will not get very much better and I won't see people doing things that I want to learn or that I'm learning from. But playing with them and like the, some of the BYU players play there and it just terrifies me. Um, it like forces me to adapt, like learn, or I will just be like kicked out of the group because I suck. <laughs> yeah, so, I love that. I love the idea of being like putting yourself in uncomfortable situations. And the fact that you're like going into these situations and then coming out of them with enough introspection to be like, okay, this is what I need to take away. And then going back and figuring it out. Like, I think that's the key, right? Is there is no entrepreneurship like pill or book, like right? book that will yeah. teach you no. everything you need to know. Like so many entrepreneurs just jump into it and figure it out. And I think the key is like putting yourself in those situations, but then also doing the work that it takes so that the next time you're in that situation, it's not uncomfortable anymore. Mm -hmm. It's something that you know how to do, or it's a situation that you have experience with and you can answer that question now. And what an incentive um, that entrepreneurship gives you to learn those things. Cause you're like, if I don't know this by my meeting tomorrow, oh, I'm yeah. going to be toast. Yeah. Right. So, Seriously. That's great. Yeah. Like there are, are, there are more times than I would like to admit where like I was in a meeting about something and if it was with trusted advisors or people that I was comfortable with, it's good to learn to just be open about not knowing stuff and be like, can you explain this to me or like, why, why is this important or, or what does that even mean? But if you're like, you're talking to a customer and they're spitting out stuff that you're not really you're like, I don't know how to answer that. I don't know what to do about that. I don't know what that means. Then you kind of are like, you know, play the part and you're like, yes, we're going to take care of you. Great. And then you have your work cut out for you because you're, you leave that meeting and you just like information is free. 
you know? So yeah, I think that's, funny. I mean, I don't think it's only entrepreneurship, right? Like I have a ton of experience over my career where I'll be in a meeting with someone, you know, even as a city manager or, or when I was uh, doing accounting for um, in Salt Lake uh, where I'd be in a meeting and they'd ask something and I would just write it down. You know, I'd be like, okay, well, I don't have the answer right now, but I know I have it in my office. So I'll get back to you and I'll send you an email and follow up on that. And a lot of times I knew full well that I had no idea what the answer to that question was, <laughs> but I knew I was confident enough in my abilities or my connections that I knew I could get an answer. So I think, yeah. it, you know, that, that, I think that's applies. the point right there. Yeah. You could get an answer, you know, yeah. people appreciate that, appreciate yeah. that more anyway. Yeah. Right? And like entrepreneurship is hard. It's very hard. So you can't just like the expectation going in has to be that you're going to be learning more than you're going to be um, doing. So like uh, you wear a lot of hats, I think, and you guys probably feel the same way in the roles that you're in where you're like, if something needs to get done, I'm going to put on that hat and just do it. Or if I'm not the person to do it, then I got to find someone from my team that's going to do it. And the likelihood is that they probably don't know either for certain things. So uh, there's, I think people think that entrepreneurship is like 90% doing and like 10%, um, like 10% learning. Maybe people don't think that I could be wrong about that, but I think people underestimate the proportion of entrepreneurship that is just learning. You just have to I, learn. I a hundred percent agree with that. I, I do too. Yeah. I like every, I feel like every six months, I can look back at myself and think about myself six months ago that I was naive and unwise for like several reasons. And maybe at some point that slows down because I'm a young entrepreneur. So maybe it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like that when you've been doing it for 20 years. But for me, it does every, probably every six months, I just look back and I'm like, Oh wow! I got some major perspective changes and learned some things in the last six months that have completely changed my like value, the value that I that I provide to my own company. That's cool. That's cool. So Logan, what um, one of the things we'd like to know from entrepreneurs here on this podcast is what's, I mean, you've gone through all these experiences and adventures, right? What's the craziest thing that's happened to you? Like you could not believe that you're going through this particular experience or moment. I'll give you. I have two stories. One story is a moment that was like a surreal moment, like, oh, wow, I'm, this is really cool. Um, the other moment is one that was like an absolute crisis. <laughs> um, so cool moment. I, the original like prototype for our, you know, localized idea was that I had printed a sticker with a QR code on it. And you'd scan the QR code, and then you'd get a list of local restaurants and stuff that you could, um, you know, visit. But um, it, you know, eventually became these nice-looking plaques that are are really nice. But at the time, it was just a little sticker. And um, your MVP, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the QR or the, I think the uh, design, the print file was like not, the resolution wasn't even very good. So it was like kind of blurry and <laughs> anyways, but, um, a year later, yeah, I think, no, not even a year later, uh, something in the neighborhood of a year later, I was 
driving. I was in a rental car in Vegas driving with a bunch of uh, plaques, a bunch of localized plaques, delivering them to the MGM Grand. And I was like, oh, man, this is cool. Like, <laughs> I would have never guessed. I've only seen it on TV. You know, at that point, I'd still only seen it on TV. And uh, I was like, where do I even go? Like, what door do I go? <laughs> you know? um, different moment. Entrepreneurship is very hard. Like, I think that a lot of people talk about um, they had moments where they wanted to just, like, curl up in a ball and just, like, die because entrepreneurship is so hard. There's so much pressure on you. And I remember thinking as, like, I was starting Localize, like, I mean, how many of those moments can you really go through and still come out of it? Like, are people kind of fabricating that a little bit? Because it seems like you see a company like Uber, you're like, what a good idea. They probably just got things started up and it just... Overnight success, right? It just seems like companies that have a successful business model, like it would just work. But the reality is that you have to go through so many growing pains and you're like uh, growing pains and also just learning experiences where you try something that wasn't the right idea and it just sucks. Like we, we went, we just, we dropped a lot of money on a trade show that we thought was going to be like a big, like a big growth thing for us. And I remember feeling like it was do or die. This trade show was going to be the savior of this tough uh, time we were in where we were um, trying to do a lot of things. And we went to this trade show and it was just severely, it was not advertised well. There was not, there were not very many people there and the people that were there were not our audience. And we had brought employees out we had brought RevRoad employees out we had bought a booth and like done all this stuff and I like went back to my hotel and I was like that's it this was fun this is a ride and called my wife just like crying I was like that's like weird changes are coming <laughs> and that sucks and uh, like that was and like you know those moments, like you, you have, I've had probably four or five of those moments mm-hmm. and I'm, I, maybe I'll have more in the future. I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully I've like had those moments and I won't have any more. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I could just envision like those moments in entrepreneurship where it's like so hard. Those are the ones where you experience the most growth. It's probably the ones that you look back on with the most, uh, you know, fondness as well. Like you're happy it's behind you, but at the same time you like, you wouldn't be in the same place you are today if you hadn't gone through it. Kind of those defining moments really. Right. Yeah. For your character and for your person yes. and for everything. Yeah. And I feel bad for my wife because she's always the one that I'm like. She like picks that's you it. up off the floor. Uh, yeah, well, yes, she does, and and she's the one that has to listen Here's to me my be shoulder. like cry again. Right. I'm like the boy who cried wolf to her because every time like I'm like that's it, we're done. I think we're 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 done. We're out. And then you know we we make it work. The next day you do it again. We make it work, and then a month yeah. later I'm like we're 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 making it happen. And she's like yeah. great, and I'm thinking in the back of my mind like. I'm glad that she, you know, she's just, level-headed. Just, yeah, cool. she's not like riding You're the, on the roller, roller coaster, coaster that I'm riding. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's it's um, it's hard to not ride the roller coaster. People talk about that a lot. I think it's like don't ride the emotional roller coaster, which is something that's really useful in like sales um, because you'll have weeks and months that are better than other ones. 
and you need to make sure that you don't get too down on yourself when you're not selling and that you don't get too overconfident when you're selling well and think like this is the new you know like this is the the new standard and if i don't do this next month then i've lost it i've lost the touch you know so that's true in entrepreneurship but to some degree you can't i mean you're gonna ride the roller coaster you can't really control your emotions to the level that you won't ride the roller coaster at all in entrepreneurship that's again this is my opinion some people could have some level of emotional control that's incredible that I don't have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I just don't. I mean, there's so much pressure because ultimately in entrepreneurship, the 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 journey that you're taking is building something where when things go well, you give praise because you had these awesome customers and you had great employees and good co-founders and you have to be willing to like give the praise and figure out what made things work well so you can replicate it. So you're just attributing the good things that are happening to the, the, the factors that influence that. So you kind of give praise for your successes, but when things go wrong as an entrepreneur, it should be your instinct to look at yourself and think, what can I do differently? How can we fix it? Right. And that's a hard position to be in because you feel you do ride the roller coaster. Um, I think one of the only ways to stop yourself from riding the roller coaster so much is to make sure that you view your skill set as an entrepreneur and your leadership abilities and all those things as kind of a separate entity from yourself. Like if the company goes down, it's not because I suck. It's because I need to become a better leader or I need to become a better salesperson. I need to work on my, you know, add tools to my tool belt and stuff like that. It's not because like, I suck. That's not the reason, you know. Um, and there are things that I will want to get better at or whatever. Um, so I don't know. I think that's an important thing to make sure you treat your skill set as a separate thing from yourself. Well, you got to have a growth, a growth mindset, I think, you know, where yeah. it's not like, these characteristics are part of you forever. It's just, this is a stage and, and we have things yeah. that we need to learn and grow and, and change. So what's next? What's on the, the horizon for Localize? Well, like I said, we are, we're really um, putting our time and resources into sales channels right now and uh, product development as well. Because as you, every stage um, that you kind of advance into, um, you grow into different stages and you'll have different amounts of customer feedback and uh, you'll want to make product developments that eventually you'll want to make product developments that were lower on your priority list, but you didn't have the money for it. So right now we're still in the phase where we're like uh, just hitting sales really hard and we'll make kind of those necessary product adjustments um, that we need to make. But like, yeah, we're in, we're in uh system building mode right now we're building a sales system that's going to be really effective um, and we're attacking it from multiple angles um, we're attacking our lead generation from you know with different marketing strategies um, obviously cold outbound you know the classic like pick up the phone and make it happen referrals we're actually pretty good at referrals and we get a lot of referrals from our customers um, so that's uh, yeah, we're just, we're, we're also bringing a few people onto the team, which is exciting because bring people in that are the right people that get the vision 
Um, well, it's people like your dad, right, that are willing to to jump in and just work work hard. Oh yeah, and yeah, depending are, on your stage, like because there are yeah there are types of people in in my opinion there are types of people that are the perfect fit for certain companies in certain stages, and those uh, people will will change. Like you'll you know at our stage maybe we need someone who's a builder who likes to build systems and create. Um, you know, new ways of doing things and ways of creating success. And then maybe in, in five years, what we need is someone just like uh, my dad or just like, um, you know, someone who's just will step into a system that is existing and just be awesome in yeah. that Maintain system. consistency over and over and over again. Right. Cool. Right. So, yeah, we're, um, we're in an exciting stage and like i'm going to be traveling a lot we're going to a lot, a lot of trade shows cool. so i'll be uh sending you guys selfies from from awesome. puerto rico we want to uh, see them i think we're passing on the dubai trade show because <laughs> the plane tickets are a little expensive but. we're excited to see what you do logan where do uh where do the listeners find you or for, find more about localize uh yeah i mean they can hop on my linkedin um and get in contact with me that way it's logan nicholson um no fancy spellings just like jack nicholson but we're not related um, but yeah, they can find me on LinkedIn. Um, they will probably run into some of my satire on LinkedIn. So don't mind it or like it if it's funny. <laughs> um, Follow along on the journey. Yeah. And localize. Uh, so localize.guide is our website. Um, localize.guide backslash Marie is our product. You know, I didn't even mention the name of our product. Marie by Localize. Do you know where we got the name? Hmm. Any guesses? Um, it's a concierge, right? Have you seen The Office? Oh. Yeah. Have you seen that episode? No. Concierge Marie? So they, Michael's all upset because they move Holly to another branch. So they send him on a vacation to Canada. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, he's all that. excited about it. And he goes and he's hitting on the concierge. Concierge Marie is her name. <laughs> so I watched that episode when we were trying to decide what to name it. And I was like, Good. It's Marie. Yeah, it's kind of multicultural it's and it's cool. And uh, so, yeah. And people are like, that's a joke. That's not, did you really name it after that? It's like, yep, we did. That's, <laughs> that's cool. awesome. I actually like it. Yeah. Thanks, Logan, for being on the show with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's super fun. This has been great. And we'd like to uh, throw out a special thanks to our producer, Dalton, Dalton Carson, and appreciate his uh, efforts and, and work to make this podcast a reality every week. Heck yeah, Dalton. <laughs> Signing out. <laughs> thanks so much. The Midnight Founders Podcast is a podcast about entrepreneurship that is hosted by CB Vault and Rev Road. CB Vault is the entrepreneur arm of Central Bank. And Rev Road is a venture services firm where companies come to grow. Thanks for listening to us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is AJ and Jake signing out. <laughs>